for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. I certainly hope this finds you all well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We've been moving through this series, Living a Life with a capital L, and uh, just trying to help you. We've changed things up for a few weeks due to some surgery I had. I'm doing great. Thanks for your prayers. Keep them coming. And uh, I'll be traveling again in November 14th, 15th time frame. I'll be out in Sacramento, California. But we sure do love you, folks. Make sure you tune in to us every day. We're glad that you would bring us in and We're just thrilled. May God bless you. Here we go. Talking about how discipling people, they were in Hong Kong, they were in Thailand, they were in Taiwan, missionaries for years and years and years. And they weren't just these missionaries for years and years and years. People stood up. They had six rows saved over here for family. And they got up and said, I'll never forget when they knocked on my door in Thailand. We were lost. The next person come up. Every day, this woman said, That lady would sit down with me and open the Bible and love me. One guy got up and said, "Uh, this husband and wife would bring bread to our house and they brought the bread of God's word. I think 61 people said something. That's that's when we're in the spirit zone. That's That's what happens when we're in the spirit zone. Yea, and if I offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith and joy, I joy and rejoice with you all. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Love your brethren out there, folks, for the same cause also uh, do ye and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly on to you that I may be of good comfort when I know your state. Here he is. I'm sending Timothy out there. He's going to be with you, folks. I'm in jail, but Timothy can go. And I'm going to send Timothy. He's going to check on you. He's going to get word. Don't you love it when preachers have other preachers hanging around them? People doing things. Isn't that something? Next year, I'm going to have two interns uh, from Pensacola Christian College hanging out with me. I finally told them two. I don't know how I'm going to do it. uh, Debbie's going to have to keep all three of us in line because I know I'm going to mess them all up. And they're like, hey, Brother Kerry, can these guys come to camps with you and stuff like that? Maybe six straight weeks. So now I've got to orchestrate six straight weeks of keeping these people going. But my goal is to have them do most of the preaching. My goal is to hold them in my arms. My goal is to love on them. My goal is to leave them with the thought that God has been good to Brother Kerriger. Now, God has been good to me. And, and, and that's my goal, and that's what we're going to be doing. For I know, uh, it goes on to say, for I know, I like this, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Uh, that's a terrible statement. For all ye seek their own, not the things which are Christ, but ye know the proof of him, that as a son with a father he hath served with me in the gospel and he's talking about Timothy, the relationship. I'm like his father. He's like my son. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently. So soon I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust at this point, he doesn't even know if he's dying. He doesn't know if this is the time. I told you in Sunday school this morning, there were two Roman imprisonments. And they were right next to each other. We think they let him out, messed with him, and uh, took him right back to jail. He knows things are going bad. He's being told, we're killing you. 
And here's Paul being inspired of God to write us a letter and tell us how to live with joy, how to serve God in the bad times, how to serve God in the good times, how to keep on serving God. But I trust in the Lord in verse 24 that I also myself will come shortly. I'm trusting God that he'll let me out and I get to come. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and have ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. He was filled with heaviness. He was sad that people heard that he was sick. Imagine having that kind of spirit. I don't want to bring anyone else down with me. In 2 Corinthians, the, the Apostle Paul, he's talking about, he says, I don't want to write you guys and bring you down. You know, who is it me to make you guys more heavy? Who am I to do that to you? Isn't that a sweet spirit? Yes, sir. You know, it's an appointed upon a man once to die. That's right. It's going to happen. And there's going to be illnesses along the way. There's going to be sad times. That's why we do the best. That's why we operate in the best zone. That's why uh, my buddy's church, when they get together and have Big Macs, they're doing the best. He's training men. He's training these men. He's caring for them. And uh, uh, because, you know, it's appointed. There's a day coming. It's appointed to a man once. We only die once. Folks, we don't have to die. We get to pass from death unto life when we accept Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul's talking about there. For indeed he was sick near unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow. He said, Epaphroditus means so much to me upon sorrow. He said, he means so much to me. I'm so thankful that God spared him because I know that Epaphroditus is still on this earth. I know that he's still out there doing what has to be done. I know I have Timothy. I know I have Epaphroditus. And here's the important thing that he's talking about. I know you guys got him. Isn't it great to have a Christian preacher or a Christian friend, a Christian men and women who are out there making a difference and you can yeah. say to somebody, oh man, you can trust her. You can trust him. I know them. They've been through the fire. They've come out the other end or they're still in the fire. It's okay. It's all right. I sent him therefore more carefully in verse 28 that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. I know he's made it. What a friend. Epaphroditus has been through it, folks. And here's Paul saying, I love him. Sorrow upon sorrow if something happens to Epaphroditus. But now in my joy, even though I'm in jail, you get to have some of Epaphroditus. Just to have one friend like that. Yes, Isn't that saying something? I got a preacher. Every week he calls me up. He's quitting everything. Do you guys got anyone like that in your life? Every week he's quitting. Every single week. The call will come in tomorrow. I'll be, it, it'll be mid-afternoon. I'll be getting ready for Australia. I'll look down and there's my friend calling. He's a pastor. And he'll say, this week, this is what happened to me. And I'm glad he shares with me like that. And I say, I'm sorry, brother. He said, I'm just going to leave one of these days. I'm just going to pack up and go. And I always say, brother, did anything good happen? Yeah, we had five saved. And I was well, we had a missionary family come through. They're going to they're go ahead and spend eight more years on the mission field. Anything else happened? Well, I had a guy surrender to be an evangelist. Anything else? Yeah, someone gave us $100,000 toward our bill. And this is what he's saying to me. But I'm sick of these people. He said, they have no gratitude. And I talk them down every single week. By the time I hang up the phone, he goes, I can't believe you're my friend. I'm no good. These people are so good to be here. Thanks, Brother Doug. Click. 
Next week, he'll call me in Australia. I'll leave my phone on. He'll call in the middle of the night, and I'll just put it on speaker and let him go, fall asleep. <laughs> he'll be telling me about the lady who came up to him just before he preached to let him know he's no good. Guy who came by said his suit looks terrible. The other guy who came by who said his son's an idiot. He'll tell me everything that happened. I said, brother, if you get rid of that 750-person church and take one of 30, it won't be as bad. Not many people, only 30 people can hate you in a 30-person church <laughs> instead of all 750. It'll be all right. I, well, you're right, brother. You're right. I don't ever think of that. And uh, he called me up one day. He says, my wife hates me. I said, brother, she gave you seven kids. She still hangs around there. And I said, you're one of the ugliest people I know. And, she, and I said, she's good looking and sweet. And I said, yeah, but she hates me, brother. She doesn't look at me the same anymore. I said, I don't look at you the same anymore. <laughs> I said, have you considered showering every morning, brother? I mean, come on. Clean up a little bit. And he's like, you're right. And a week goes by. <laughs> Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. He said, you know, I'm not going to see you. But you're getting one of my servants. You're getting one of God's men. And it's a good one. And keep your reputation. Take good care of Epaphroditus. Hold him in your arms. Care for him. We almost lost him. And when he comes out there and he's with you guys in Macedonia, now called Greece, right above current day Macedonia, when he's with you, man, you guys, you, you know, oh, man, take him, take him over there to bone and what is it, hog and bone? Praise God, hog and bone, half chicken, a couple ribs, throw that sauce all over the top. They didn't do that back then. But anyway, they didn't have hog and bone back then. Because for the work of Christ, in verse 30, he was nigh unto death, very close to it, but not regarding his life to surprise your lack of service toward me. Because of the work of Christ. A good things happen in your life. Can I tell you why they're happening? Because of the work of Christ. Yeah. Just like my friend out there out west who calls me up every week. Says, yeah, all kinds of money came in. Someone surrendered to be an evangelist. And I'm like, that's not you, brother. Who cares if people yell at you? They, they yell at him all the time. He had one guy get mad because he bought a new Dodge minivan. I'm like, hey, brother, who cares? You're the pastor. You get to be cool. And if he doesn't mess up too bad, I'm going to be with him again this year. And we hang out. We always have a good time. Hey, folks, we'll be right back with you. Hang with us. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. continuing on with a series about living life with a capital L. You want to make sure you, you don't miss this. We're sorry if there's a little bit of technicality kind of things going on in the background, but uh, this is actually a recording that was done at a church in Georgia, and uh, it's just been a blessing to so many people. We wanted to share it with you, and uh, so we're still not traveling yet. We're still healing from my surgery, and, and uh, keep us in your thoughts and prayers in that area, but it should be somewhere around, I think it's actually November 
10th, we actually fly out to Sacramento, California to Bible Fellowship Baptist Church. But here we go. And uh, it's going to be all right. You know, it's going to, but sometimes, you know what happens to us? You know why we should have joy? Because if we're not in the joy zone, we're in the depressed zone. We get heavy and we suffer from depression. One out of five people in this world suffer from depression. One out of four, uh, one out of four suffer bad. One out of, one out of five take a medicine. One out of three college students have taken medicine for depression. You know why? Because we look at the world, and, and maybe some people have some chemical dependence. I'm not picking on anybody some chemical problems. But what I'm saying is this, a lot of times in my life, if I wake up in the morning sideways, I pass that on to everybody I meet. I pass that on to my wife. I pass it on to people I talk to on the phone. I pass. But if I wake up and I, there's joy in my life, yeah, and I'm greeting people in grace and peace, and I'm talking to people about what God's done in my life and people like Epaphroditus. I was telling pastor, we got a new missionary today. He just got done preaching at his church today and they took him on for $750 a month support and he had no idea. He called me up last night, brand new missionary. He says, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to do tomorrow. I don't know if my pastor, you know, he was a, boy, the devil comes after those new missionaries, you know. He hung up the phone, his pastor called me, we're so excited for our brother who's preaching here tomorrow. We're giving him $750 a month. It's all approved. We're, we're giving him uh, suitcases. We're, we're going to pay off his car. I mean, they're saying all these things they're going to do for him. We're going to get behind him. We're going to lift this guy up. Yes. And, Folks, live in joy. Go stand up there like you have a purpose. I told this guy last night, I said, brother, you go stand behind that pulpit serving God. Yes. Leave yourself in the pew. Go up there and serve God. Let's look a little bit at three before we close up today. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. What a great song Ron Hamilton wrote, Rejoice in the Lord. I could not see through the shadows ahead, so I stared at the cross of my Savior instead. Ron Hamilton used to sit a few seats. He used to wink at me in church. He'd look over at me and go, I'd be, if I'd be watching the preaching, this guy never looked at the pulpit, you know. If I'd be watching the preaching, I'd take my eye off the preacher. He'd go, pay attention to that. <laughs> he was hilarious, man. He had, goes to the doctor. He's got cancer of the eye. He's going back there. They're rolling him back to get his surgery. They stop and pray. He looks at the doctor. He said, doctor, if I lose my eye, will I be able to play tennis? Doctor says, yeah, Ron, you'll be able to play tennis. He said, good, because I can't play a lick right now. <laughs> man. How that guy changed my life. He lived in the joy zone. He was always scooping up a kid somewhere in church, spinning him around in circles. Kids would laugh at him and call him the pirate, passion fire. He'd go, ah, matey, you here to meet Christ? I mean, he was so awesome. But he lived in the God zone, saying rejoice in the Lord, live in the God zone, to write the same things to you. Indeed, some things to you uh, is not grievous. Don't you love that? It's not bad. It's not grievous. It's not the bad things. But for you, this is safe. Beware of the dogs. They're out there. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the concision. What he's saying is, we're, people are running around saying, I'm Jewish. I've been circumcised. I've done this. I've done that. Look at all the things I can do. And God is saying, that's not enough. You need a savior. It's not about what you can do. It's not about what you've done. I've been baptized. I had a guy tell me, I asked if he was saved the other night, 80-something years old, visitation. I said, sir, are you saved? He said, I grew up in First Baptist Church of Greenville. It used to be a big, great church back in years gone by. About half the people I know was married there, saved there, or something like that, somewhere in their life. They used to run thousands of people. And I said, but are you saved? Not what you have done, not what your pastor have done, 
For you are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence. He said, you don't have to be a member of a Jewish sect. You don't have to be a member of the cool crowd. You belong to something that's cooler than that. You're saved. You're in the spirit of Jesus Christ that's bigger than that. These last few verses, we'll go down to seven and we'll call it. Though I might have also confidence in the flesh, and any other man thinketh that he have whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised on the eighth day. So this is where Paul's coming through, given his credentials, of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of the Pharisees, concerning zeal, uh, persecuting the church, touching the righteous, uh, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. We're going to stop there. Folks, what is this all about? You know what Paul's saying? I've got the worldly reputation. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrew. I'm, I, I was a Pharisee. I, I was that guy who did everything right. I checked all the blocks. I was trained by Gamaliel. And then Paul ends that by saying, you know what he says? He says, I count anything but Christ in the spirit and what Christ has done in my life and what the spirit has done in my life. I count anything else as being a loss. It was a loss to me. It's of no value to me. It's of absolutely no value to me. Folks, we've got to make a decision today. We can live like Christ. We can live life with a capital F, but we can't do it on our own. We have to do it with the Spirit of God. We can live life, be the type of people that we've always wanted to be, but we've got to let God do the work. God does the lifting. God does the piloting. God takes us where we're, going, where we're going. But we can't do anything without accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So if you're one of those people who perhaps are saying, this doesn't make sense to me, I'm not getting any of this. If you're one of those people, maybe you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe there hasn't been a time in your life where you got that right. The Bible teaches us a few things about being saved. First thing the Bible teaches us is that we're all sinners. The Bible says there are none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God. There's no, not one person on earth, not one who's not a sinner. Can I tell you, folks, you will not look in a set of eyes on the entire earth who's not a sinner. You will not look in a set of eyes who doesn't need a Savior. We're all the same way. Now, it's more important that we don't say, well, we all put on our pants the same way. No, we all need a Savior the same way. Every one of us are sinners. The Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that we all, there are none righteous, that we're all sinners. Number one, you're a sinner. Number two, there's a price on sin. You know what the Bible says? It says, for the wages of sin is death. Because sin has entered into this world. One sin changed the entire world. Because sin entered into this world, we're all going to die. The Bible says because this sin entered into the world, because it's there, every one of us are going to die. But then the Bible gives us great news. It tells us you're a sinner. There's a price on sin. But then the Bible says, but God commendeth freely given to us. He commended it to us, just gave it to us, but God commendeth his love toward us that while we were yet sinners before any of us were born, before any of us were thought about being born, before our parents thought about being born, before any of all that came together, Christ died for us. Amen. But God commendeth his love toward you that while you were yet a sinner before you were born, Christ died for you. Folks, can I tell you, we live in the age of grace. So you can know that you're a sinner. 
You can know there's a price on sin, and you can know that Christ paid that price. And friends, can I tell you something? You can still be on your way to hell. Because the Bible says that we must speak it with our mouths. The Bible said there needs to come a prayer from us and believe it in our hearts. The Bible says we've got to have both. Anybody can say a prayer, can't we? Anybody can say anything at all. I can't tell you how many people have told me they're going to do things in their life. And I can't tell you how many people I've let down in my life. I'm sure there's thousands. We can say anything, but if we speak it with our mouth, if we pray and ask Christ to save us, believing in our heart that he alone can do that, and we give that sin to him, we get life with a capital L if we let the Spirit in. If you're with me this morning, would you stand with me this morning? Our heads are bowed, our eyes. Hey, folks, I'm sorry if this crept by so quick, but we're going to be wrapping this thing up tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. Come on back with us. We're praying for you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.